Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to season three of the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, I talk with Vanessa, who's a One Giant Mind teacher and also a drafts person. She asked a really wonderful question about the delineation of techniques as they relate to the different functions of the mind and the One Giant Mind system and how the technique that I often refer to as the, a being technique, how that fits into the model of unfolding the mind's potential. If you're somebody that's curious about understanding uh, the nature of the mind and how the different techniques that we can practice relate to those, I think you'll find this episode very helpful. Enjoy. Am I, I, st- oh, I was going to say, am I starting or are you starting? Oh, well, you know, we've started now. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to like a follow on question, kind of multiple people asking and you referring to meditation. Um, and I know that meditation can kind of have like an umbrella um, title on a lot of different techniques that essentially are delivering us to the same experience. But I wondered if you could speak to, um, I know that from experience from teaching that people have found the, the like five functions of the mind really like tangible way of understanding meditation. And if you could speak specifically to like the technique that you teach in regards to kind of everything you've speak, been speaking about. Because I know you said it, delivering the true, that meditation delivers the true experience of yourself. But is that true to all techniques essentially is where I'm going with that? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a great question. So in season one, we had an episode where I delineated the five functions of the mind and the way in which they pertain to different techniques. Oh, okay. And I encourage listeners to go back and listen to that one um, to create some context to what I'm about to say now, which I think I also said in that episode. But it's, it's, a, it's always a good one to be reminded of. My perspective on meditation is that all meditation is good and it serves the mind in some way. And I think it's really important that we transcend the, the competitive notion of one technique being better than the other and understand that all techniques pertain to the advancement of cognitive capability or self-awareness. What we need to introduce now is a more sophisticated understanding of the nature of the mind and how those techniques can be applied almost as ingredients to a recipe. We can have an understanding of ingredients of something, but if we don't have the recipe, then a good, there's a good chance that it's not going to come out the way that you, you want it to come out. You need the sequence of instruction. It is my understanding that you can apply different techniques to the mind in a, in a particular sequence that is going to give rise to uh, what I assume. And that assumption is based on 20 plus years of doing this work, working with people. There is a, uh, a consistency in, in the reason why people come to learn to meditate in this day and age. 
the assumption that I make is that people wish to know themselves more deeply so they can have the capacity to interact with the challenges and demands that life brings in such a way that they don't lose sense of self, that they can generate momentum in creating an experience for themselves and for those that they care most about that is reflective most deeply of their desire. And if that is the case, if that is why you are um, desiring to learn to meditate, then I prescribe a, a sequence that is like a recipe for the unfoldment of the mind's potential. And the first is establishing a direct experience with the self. And we refer to the techniques that enable you to do that as being techniques. Another word for the self is being. The way in which we establish being is by practicing techniques that innocently, beyond the intellect, beyond reckoning, on any intellectual level, lead the mind quite innocently into a more abstract, vast awareness state that reveals the nature of the mind just by virtue of having the experience of it. It reveals that the mind is something that you have, not something you are. And the thing that this particular style of meditation does is it establishes what is primary in there and the deepest part of us which is awareness the thing that is the primary character the quality is awareness alertness and awareness is described more specifically as a sense of knowingness of the way things are we are able to detect in the same way that we are able to, when we open our eyes, when it's daytime, we can notice that it's daytime. Why? How do you know that? Well, my eyes can see the sun. I can see that that bright self-effulgent orb hovering in the sky up there is emitting a very bright light. It is the source that is creating sufficient illumination on the surface of the planet for me to determine where to step and where not to step so that I'm, <laughs> I don't hurt myself. It's one crude application, <laughs> right? The same principle applies when we close our eyes and we meditate. When we expose ourselves to this deeper reality, in the same way, things become apparent by virtue of just being there. By virtue of opening my eyes, I can see things because there is a source of light that illuminates that. We have a source of light with inside of ourselves. It's a different kind of light. It's the light of consciousness. And that light of consciousness illuminates our inner world and reveals to us the nature of it, how it works, how it operates, and how best to be in relationship with it to nurture what it's doing what it's doing is evolving in its de depth of understanding depth of relationship 
And furthermore, the creation of that relationship, what the relationship creates. When we become ever deeper in relationship with ourselves, something is created, an energy is generated that becomes expressive in our behavior. It becomes expressive in our mind. It becomes expressive in our ideation. It becomes expressive in the way in which we we move in the world, what we do, what we create. What happens in the outside world is only ever an expression of something that's happening internally. It's reference from this internal place. From the perspective of the tradition where all this beautiful knowledge comes from, the name of the game is to be a creator, to be an instrument of nature's intelligence, creating whatever it is that that relationship that we cultivate with inside of ourselves is expressive of. To be expressive of the energy that our ever-deepening relationship with the beauty of our existence creates. Whatever that creates, express that. Whatever that is. And whatever way that is pleasing to your sensibility. This is all that's asked. When we obey that, when we surrender fully to that, life becomes whole, rich, full, beautiful, meaningful to not only ourselves, but everybody that we come into contact with. Because imbued in that expression is love, is awareness of need, generosity of spirit, the desire to be of benefit, of service, to be a presence of support so that you can be elevated into a status that you feel capable of reciprocating in the same way. And then what we have is what we were designed to be. Relational knowing beings creating from a place of real power. So when we're talking about meditation techniques, it's really important that we first establish the place where this relationship can be established rather than trying to establish it through observing our condition. We have the capacity to transcend our condition and become immersed in the essence of what what it is we are. The essence of what it is we are, the emergence of the essence of what it is we are, is not predicated on the resolution of our condition. There's a very important point. The essence of who we are and the emergence of that is not dependent upon us resolving our condition. Rather, the opposite. The resolution of our condition is dependent on us first establishing who it is and what it is we are. Because it is only in the radiant truth of our being that we can truly dissolve. What are we referencing if we don't have the self first established? We're just splashing about in a muddy bath. We're trying to wash ourselves with mud. We need to flush it. The way that we flush it is by first establishing ourselves in being. So a being technique does that. Gets us there very quickly. And then 
once we've established that underlying awareness, we can practice witnessing techniques complementary to a being technique. Not instead of, but complementary. We're building upon the model here where we can become mindful of the way in which the condition interacts with our nature and vice versa. And then through intent to subtly deconstruct any falseness in the mind, to deconstruct illusion and to continue orientating attention toward the truth that we have established by virtue of creating, uh, introducing a being technique. So the being technique is first, the witnessing technique is second. And then, you know, we can take a linear approach to how we apply the rest of the, the techniques, or we can apply a nonlinear approach. Again, you'll have to reference that, that earlier episode to understand what I mean in terms of the five functions of the mind and the different techniques. Oh, I'll lay out the five functions of the mind. Emerging out of being is the mind. The mind is an emergent phenomenon. The mind is a construct that emerges out of an underlying field of awareness, pure consciousness state. And the mind is a interface by which individuality, individual consciousness, can reference reality in context to their viewpoint, their vantage point. My individuality is always relative to my vantage point. My mind helps me process the experience of being alive relative to being this individual. And the mind does that with five primary functions. The first is through awareness of what's taking place inside the mind. Primary to the mind is awareness. The mind is able to perceive and witness all inclusively, without judgment, what's taking place. You can just observe all of it. Call that the witnessing function. The next to emerge out of it is the intuitive perception function. What we notice when we are witnessing the nature of the mind is that when we are truly established in ourselves, we have an instinctive response to reality, a spontaneous instinctive response that doesn't require us thinking about it, doesn't require us having any information about something prior to the cognition. This intuition is our innate intelligence that has the capacity to understand whatever it is conceiving of in that moment. I constantly refer to us as knowing beings. A part of what we are is knowingness. And what we notice is that that knowingness structures itself abstractly in the dimension of our mind. And then emerging out of our intuitive perception is coherent and orderly thought, thinking. Thinking is, is, a, is, is the tertiary thing, actually. Witnessing, intu intuition, structures itself as thinking. The intelligence becomes structured as thought, but prior to it being a thought, it is some 
deeper abstract knowingness. And then as thought structure itself, we are able to organize the, in, the intelligence, the intuitive intelligence on the, on the field of our mind, on the screen of our mind. Process it in such a way we're able to decipher relevance and priority. And in that, we are applying the fourth function of the mind, which is to focus, to give preferential attention to, directed attention, focusing. And then in the process of focusing on something, we deepen our connection. And that is the fifth function, connecting, where we are deepening meaning through our focus. We are connecting and finding greater meaning, greater expression of whatever it is we're giving our attention to. And this pretty much sums it up. So we have being our natural state, pure intelligence, expressive of dynamic um, impulses of energy, desire, which we witness. And as we witness it, we observe that it is a personalized response to the experience we're having, our intuition, our personal intuition, that structures itself as coherent thinking, that we are able to focus on in order to connect more deeply with. This is how the mind works. And we are therefore expressive. We, then we become expressive of that. And so every other tech, every technique that exists falls into the category of either a witnessing technique, a being technique, a witnessing technique, an intuitive perception technique, a thinking technique, a, fo a focusing technique, or a connecting technique. And so we don't get trapped in the, in the idea of everything being linear. It's very rare that there is a, a technique that is exclusively any one of those functions. All functions of the mind are ultimately involved in all of them, but certain techniques can highlight and strengthen other functions of the mind. Like Vipassana, Zogchen, all of these techniques, they strengthen the witnessing function of the mind. There are heart-based practices where you're, you're you're sitting deeply with feelings and sensations, and it may, and affirming things. These are building intuition. And there are visualization uh, processes and uh, affirmation processes that are cultivating and refining one's thinking capacity. I could go on and on and on and on, but what we what we notice when we investigate that is that. All the functions of the mind are always participating. If we capture fully the domain in which those functions are emergent out of first, then we are assisting in all of them being aligned and coherent. That's why I always prescribe practicing a being technique first and foremost. You say that one is not better than the other, but that and that is why you prescribe, yet that is why you prescribe yeah. a being technique. Yeah, exactly. We're just prescribing a recipe. You know, in... In a recipe, when we go through the list of ingredients, we don't go, oh, the eggs are far more important than the flour. Without either of them, the thing's not going to be the thing, right? It's like that. We don't need to say the eggs are more important than the flour. It's not relevant. It's just like, what sequence do I put them in? That's how we need to look at meditation.
that answer your question? Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for taking some time to listen to the One Giant Mind podcast. If you're somebody that hasn't yet got a regular meditation practice, One Giant Mind offers a couple of ways in which you can make that happen right now. You can go to onegiantmind.com and have a look at our teacher directory. We've got hundreds of teachers around the world teaching the One Giant Mind being technique, both in person and online. And if for whatever reason you're unable to get to one of those courses, you could download our free Learn to Meditate app. It's called One Giant Mind. It's got a 12-step course that'll get you started. And if you're already a regular meditator and feel deeply called to bring this beautiful practice into the world, we strongly encourage you to check out our One Giant Mind Teacher Training Academy. We train passionate meditators to become powerful leaders in their community, equipped with tools to empower others to know themselves very intimately. We teach a powerful process of how to run a meditation course and facilitate the building and growing of a community. And we would love to welcome you into our global family of teachers. A special thanks to our show producer, Daniel Tucker, aka Spiritual Trady, our music composer, the one and only Ali Liberman, and all of the One Giant Mind team.